Welcome to the Fresh Start Church Podcast, where we exist to influence a nation with revival. Here you'll find preached messages from our pastors. We pray that the spirit of revival is imparted to you as you listen. To watch live, check us out on YouTube or visit our website at freshstartaz.com. And to stay connected with us, be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Now give a hand to the Lord tonight, because He is worthy of all glory. All honor. Come on, somebody give him praise. Hallelujah. 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 Well, I'm blessed tonight. I'm a happy pastor. What God has done this weekend has been beyond expectation. Forgive me, Lord, for not expecting it. But I have four words for you before I preach this message. God's not done yet. We got some work to do tonight. I said we have some work to do tonight. Hallelujah. I want you to remain standing and if you have your Bibles, open them up. If you don't, just listen. I want to read a scripture to you. And this may seem somewhat odd to to preach in a revival service, but I felt it really strong. Because I heard the Holy Spirit say that everything you and I have experienced this weekend is because there is a company of contenders in this house. What we have experienced in five and a half, six years, and even what we have experienced this weekend is not by accident. It's not just a random move of God. It's because God is raising up a remnant across this nation and around this world of contenders. You know, I know when I got here tonight, I said, Lord, I know whoever gets there tonight are going to have a contending spirit. They ain't going to let no Super Bowl keep them at home. They ain't going to let no party keep them at home. They ain't going to let no girlfriend, boyfriend, second cousin keep them at home. You couldn't keep a contender out of this house tonight. Because contenders live for the next of God. Yes? So let me read this scripture to you. Let me give it just a little context. This, this, these three verses are verses that are penned by the Apostle Paul to the church of Colossians. I'm going to read out of Colossians chapter 1. Verse 28, 29, chapter 2, verse 1. He's, Paul says, He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom that they may present, that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I seriously contend with all the energy of Christ so powerfully works in me. I want you to know how hard I'm contending for you. And for those of Laodicea and for all who have not met me in person. This is the heart of a contender. Paul said, I have an assignment and I am going to contend until it is finished. Father, bless your word tonight in the name of Jesus. And everybody shouted. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you, guys. Paul is a contender. 2 Timothy 4, 7, Paul says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. The literal translation here is this. 
a good fight. That's what I fought. I kept running until I finished the race. In spite of the assaults and the attacks, I stayed true to my assignment. I kept the faith. I come to speak to a company of contenders tonight. You see, I've come to this conclusion that you can't birth, build, and sustain revival without a company of contending people. These verses in Colossians, or Colossians, Paul's sharing his apostolic assignment, which is to make sure that everyone in the church, I said everyone, he says, to make sure, I got to make sure, this is my assignment, I've got to make sure everyone in the church will experience the fullness of their inheritance. I've got to make sure. He says, so I I strenuously contend. I fight. I struggle against all opposition in order to provoke the church to have a greater hunger for all that God has for them. This was what Paul breathed. He got up every day and he said, I've got to make sure that everyone in the church has a fullness of their inheritance. I can't let them stop. I can't let them settle. I can't let them get comfortable. I've got to make sure that they all are going after everything that God has for them. Yes? Contenders. You know, our Bible is filled with contenders. In the Old Testament, there was Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They were contenders. Moses, Joshua, and Caleb were contenders. Deborah, Gideon, and Samson were contenders. Ruth, Naomi, and Boaz were contenders. Esther and Mordecai were contenders. Samuel and David and the mighty men were contenders. And all the prophets, they were contenders. They had an assignment for God, and they weren't about to leave this earth until they have fulfilled their divine assignment. The New Testament is filled with contenders. There's John the Baptist and Jesus, both ushering in the kingdom of God. And Jesus going to a cross to make sure that kingdom would be accessible to anyone that would believe. They were contenders. Peter, James, and John were contenders. Paul, Barnabas, Timothy, Silas, contenders. Barnabas, the blind man, crying out. He would not settle until he got his sight. He was a contender. The woman with the issue of blood wouldn't let the crowd stop her, but she pressed and she pressed and she pressed until she touched the hem of his garment. She was a contender. The Syrophoenician woman whose daughter was demon possessed would not let Jesus alone until she knew her daughter was delivered. She was a contender. Is there any contenders in this house? I feel this so strong in my spirit. You know, the history of the church on earth has been largely the history of revivals. R.A. Tory. All through church history, there have been contenders. The first great awakening, John Edwards and George Whitfield contended for a nation. The second great awakening in the 1800s, James McCready, Charles Finney, Father Nash contended for the heart and the soul of a nation. The urban revivals, Dwight Moody in the 1800s, the great Welsh revival 1904 to 1905, and Evan Roberts and many others, they contended for revival to come to Wales. Azusa Street, William Seymour contended, believed, pressed, wouldn't quit for the baptism of the Holy Spirit to come back to this planet and come to this nation. 
And even when he preached and others around him would be baptized in the Holy Spirit, but he had not yet received, did not stop him, but he kept going after the Holy Spirit until one night he finally said, I'm not leaving this place until I get my baptism in the Holy Spirit. He was a contender. Even when they said, it's not your time, he said, oh yes, it's my time. I'm not leaving. Oh my God, once again, can we have some people to contend for Pentecostal power? There's always been contenders. The latter rain revival, the voice of healing, contenders. The Lewis revival, Contenders. I love the story of the Lewis revival. The man that gets the credit is Duncan Campbell, who in his own right was a contender. But there were two sisters. One blind, one bent over with arthritis, decided they weren't going to settle for the backslidden condition of their church and begin to cry out from three in the morning or, or, or 10 at night to 3 in the morning, two or three days a week, they would cry out and cry out until they sense revival is just about here. And they begin to spread the word. You must come and pray. Revival is about here. You must come and pray. Revival is about here. They were contenders. They would not quit. They would not give up. They had heard from heaven that God was going to send a rain to a barren land. I come to tell somebody, if we will keep contending, we haven't seen everything yet. You see the difference, the difference between a nominal Christian and a revivalist is you can preach revival to a nominal Christian. You can tell them of all the wonderful inheritance and all that is available to us as the children of God. And they'll listen to you. And they say, man, that's awesome. But yet because they have chosen to take a nominal path. See, much of the church today, really much of the church today doesn't need more knowledge. What much of the church needs today is activation of what they already know. See, what I'm saying tonight, most of you have already heard somewhere before. But I haven't come to preach something that you don't know. I've come to preach something. And tonight I believe what I'm getting ready to share with you is going to be activated over your life. See, the problem is, is our knowledge has exceeded our commitment level. What does that mean? That means we know more than we're willing to do. But contenders will do whatever it takes. You tell a contender, you've got an inheritance. You tell a contender, you are blessed with all heavenly blessings in Christ. You tell them revival and awakening is right around the corner. Keep pushing. They're going to get up on their feet and they're going to say, get out of my way. I've got to go fight this thing through. If God wants me to have it, I won't quit until I get it. Yes. Contending. So I feel in my spirit, God is solidifying a company of contenders in the earth today. See, every before revival came, the Lord spoke to me. As we're crying out for revival, and he said, you know revival is war, right? See, a lot of people say they want revival, but really what they want is cute. And cute isn't going to get you revival. You ain't going to get revival unless you know how to contend. You know how to tell a revivalist from a nominal Christian? Because they got blood all over them. Their shields are banged up. Their swords are chipped. And they walk with a limp because they decided, I'm going to get revival. And I will fight whatever I've got to fight to get there. Yes. So the Lord said revival is war. He said the reason it's war is because Satan hates it. And he said, you know what? Revival is war. Satan hates it, but I want it. So we fight. We fight for it. 
Because it's God's desire to send revival to the earth. Somebody say yes. So Paul was a contender. He was contending for his apostolic assignment. Now, I can say that right here, and that just sounds, oh, that's nice, that Paul contended for his assignment. We all contend. No, you got to understand, Paul had to fight through everything to fulfill the assignment. He was beaten. He was left for hungry. He was put in prison. He was persecuted. He was starved, shipwrecked, sleepless nights, carrying the burden of the churches upon his own back. And you think, oh, that's nice. He, no, no, no. Well, well, you got to understand. He was committed. He was contending for the assignment. He was pushing and pressing and prodding through everything the enemy ever threw at him. It's what a contender does. For our Church, we have an assignment. It's an apostolic assignment. We are doorkeepers of revival. We are in the process of birthing, building, and sustaining revival. You say, well, maybe you say, haven't we already birthed it? Haven't we already built it? And aren't we sustaining it? I submit to you what God is about to release on the earth before he comes is there's going to be a constant birthing, a constant building, and a constant sustaining. That's why cute isn't going to get you through. Cute church ain't going to get you through. Cute worship ain't going to get you through. Cute praying ain't going to get you through. Oh, y'all ain't hearing this preacher up in here tonight. This house exists to influence a nation with revival. When God first dropped that in our spirit, I'm like, man, that ain't no way that... I can barely influence my, my wife. A nation? Are you kidding me, God? I couldn't think of anything else. Sorry, babe. I just... I started saying dog, but our dog died, so I couldn't say that. It's been a while. We're fine. It's been a while. I'm just trying to go with the lowest denominator. <laughs> You see, we're all familiar with the term the promised land. It was the land that God has set aside for his people. And he gave Abraham a promise. This land is yours, Abraham. Just put your feet on it. Possess it. It's yours. I made it for you. It's your inheritance. But see, inheritance is not automatic. It must be possessed. It must be moved into. It must be contended for. For those that simply want God to come. Out of sympathy for their carnality. Out of sympathy for the deadness and the dryness. Can he just come? He will come if you contend. He will come if you realize, I want this more than my dead, dry atmosphere. I want this more than anything else that I'm dealing with. I want my inheritance. Just so you'll know, I've been, I've been uh, 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 looking around to try to figure out what our inheritance looks like. Because you see, when, when God got ready for Israel to enter the promised land, uh, the first thing he did was he instructed Moses to send 12 leaders, one from each tribe, to spy out the land. So I've been asking God, God help me. Spy out the land because I don't I want to make sure that we get everything that you have for us. 
I, I know what I read about revival. I, I, I too am a student of revival. I understand uh, what God has done historically in revival. But Lord, if there's something else that you haven't even done yet, I want to see it so I can possess it. You see, see, prior to the fullness of the possession of the inheritance, of the revival inheritance, uh, they had to go out and they had to be a spying of the land in order to understand the potential of the promise of the inheritance. You can have an inheritance, but until you understand what the inheritance is, it doesn't move you to possess it. But once you can see it and you understand, you taste it and you understand, I refuse to live without it. And so you get up and you move in and because you see, it's important. It's important uh, that we understand that we can taste. We can taste the fruit of revival. Watch. He said, go in, check out the land. See how much of it is in there. See what the people are like. See what the produce is like. Just go in and check it out. Bring some of it back with you. I don't know about you, but my mom and dad went to Israel one time. And if your mom and dad ever went to Israel, there's something they all brought back. It's these little wooden statues of Joshua and Caleb carrying these big thing of grapes. I mean, it's like the grapes are like, the, the, the grape is like as big as Joshua and Caleb. Because the story is they went into the promised land and they said these grapes were huge. The land was flowing with milk and honey. And they went in and they grabbed these big grapes and they brought them back to show how, how, how wonderful it is in the land. See, this is the deal. God was trying to reveal it. God was trying to give them his perspective of what he wanted them to possess. But we know the story. Hold on to that. We know the story because not only did they go in to, to, to see and taste the fruit of revival, but they went in to assess the warfare that they were going to need to possess the revival promise. So they went in and they brought back the grapes. And these grapes were huge. But before they got through, they said, but the problem is, and not only the grapes big, the giants are big. So the battle would be great. The intensity of the fight is like something we have never seen before. But so to let you know, I have been spying out the land and what I see coming out of revival is awakening. I've been spying out the land and revival is about ready to, to, to accelerate because revival is already in the land. But revival is getting ready to accelerate to produce an atmosphere of awakening. So it's imperative that we have the proper perspective of revival so we can have a clear understanding and so we can increase our capacity to contend. The, the God's idea was that they're going to see the giants and they're going to shriek back. His idea was they're going to see the giants and understand the bigger the grapes, the bigger the giants. Give me the giants, because I'm not giving up these grapes. So I find it interesting. I find it interesting tonight that the spies, when they entered into the promised land, they proceeded through Hebron. And they saw that the land was overtaken with big giants. The descendants of Anak, they called them, the Nephilim. Now, the Nephilims are interesting. They're mentioned twice in your Bible, Genesis chapter 6. Or excuse me, uh, in Genesis, and then again in, uh, what is it, Exodus, whatever I'm reading from, or preaching from. Somewhere in their Bible. Multiple places. It's interesting because most people believe that the, the fallen angels were demons who cohabitated with uh, human uh, females to produce what we call the Nephilims. It, it was demonic powers, fallen demon angels come to earth during the time of Noah. 
It refers to them as heroes of old, men of renown. There's a lot of ideas of what this is and who they were and how they came. But according to Hebrewic legend, they were twisted. They were evil. They were consumed with perversion and violence. Some believe their great size and their power likely came from the mixture of demon DNA and human genetics. They believed they walked the earth and they were mighty men who were of, of perversion and corruption and violence. And when the two, these spies entered into the promised land, the first thing they saw were these Nephilims. They called them that themselves. They are Nephilims. They were so evil that they walked in such demonic authority that they literally strengthened the principalities and powers over the territory. And beyond the territory and the regions. See, the, the, the Hebrew word, Hebron, its meaning is a seat of association. These Nephilim, twisted, perverted, violent beings had found their way into Hebron. And the atmosphere and the demonic forces had come into agreement. You see, when they entered, they entered probably at the most demon-infested, demonic-controlled environment. And you put that aside, and then I thought it's very interesting that in Hebron is where the patriarchs were born. I mean, buried. The patriarchs were buried. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. They all were laid to rest. They were all contenders for the blessing, for the promise, for the revival. They were buried there. And now the forces of darkness guard them. Ain't nobody watching me right now. You see, the seeds of revival were buried there. It was a place where revival once thrived. And the supernatural activity of God was at work to release a promise. You see, the three contenders, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Abraham contended for the blessing. Isaac contended for the wells of his father. Jacob contended for his own encounter. They were contenders. They were buried there. They were buried there, and, 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 and you, see, you have to understand this, that the very place in history, the very place where God spoke to Abraham, God spoke to Isaac, and Jacob had an encounter, was a place where the Holy Ghost had once come down and moved. But now strongholds had been set. Strongholds had been established. It was the devil's strategy to put strongholds in a place where God had previously poured out his spirit to make sure revival would never come there again. But he missed something. He missed two more contenders. He missed Joshua and he missed Caleb that said, give us that land. You see, when those 12 spies entered this arena, instead of contending and breaking through the spiritual atmosphere and remembering the promise was everywhere you put your feet, it's yours. It's yours. They were so overwhelmed by the size of the giants. They were so overwhelmed by the strongholds of perversion, the strongholds of violence that was weighing down upon the land. They had forgotten the promise. And when they forgot the promise, they yielded to the satanic structure that had been set in place for hundreds of years. But here and now, here we are, hundreds of generations later, still dealing with the same stinking strongholds and strategies of the enemy trying to intimidate the church making us believe that the giants are bigger than our God but I have come to declare tonight as they declared these giants are going to be taken out as we walk through the ground all God needs is a contender yeah. 
See, it was Joshua and Caleb's response. Which is a type of contending for us. A type that takes hope. They said, we will conquer them. And it's just like eating bread. Come on. They said, we're bread to them. They go, no, 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 no. They're bread to us. Anybody had any bread lately? It don't take a whole lot to get a nice piece of bread and slap some butter and jelly on it. They said, this is how it's going to work, guys. We're going back. And it's like taking a piece of bread. We're going to take this thing. We're going to get our inheritance. So we're well able to take the land. Must I remind us tonight that we are the ecclesia? Must I remind us tonight we're born to contend and to govern. See, revival has many thoughts and definitions, but I say revival is the church regaining its authority through intimacy and power to move into a level of intercession that contends with territorial spirits. I think God wants to do more. He's going to do a lot in his church. Hang on, because he's going to take us on the ride of life. But you've got to understand the part I believe what God is doing in the church right now and until he comes is he's trying to raise up an ecclesia. He's trying to raise up a governing, legislating body of believers. See, most churches got together today and begged God and said some prayers and said some nice worship songs and they went on their way. And all the time, the territorial spirits over their city and over their regions didn't even yawn, didn't even give them a notice. You ought to under, y'all know that in this house. We don't come up in here just to have a good church service. We come up in here to let the enemy know we are contending for a region, a territory, and a nation. That's why people, they get a little confused. I don't understand why you worship the way you worship. I don't understand why you're so intense. I don't understand. You got to understand our praise, our praise is a prayer. Our praise lets the enemy know. Your time is short because we have come and the authority of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and your kingdom is about to be shaken. Yes. You say, I don't understand. Contending, governing, contending, governing. The Bible says in Matthew eleven twelve, 12, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffer violent and the violent take it by force. One translation says they forcefully advance the kingdom. See, contending is about pressing into the kingdom of God. Governing is about pushing the kingdom forward. And if anything ever gets in the way of the kingdom, it must be dealt with. There's no time for the church to isolate. It's no time for us to say, oh, well, we gave it our best fight. I guess the enemy won. So we're just going to isolate now and ask God to send revival to our church. I say too late. It's not time to isolate. The battle is intense. The thing is heating up. It's not a moment to withdraw. It's a moment to draw the sword and begin to fight in faith and let the enemy know we're getting ready to rout you from our nation. Yes. We have been given authority by God to speak his word. Now, I can speak my word all day long and it don't move nothing. But when I speak the word of the Lord, the powers of darkness have to move. 
You see, God, I believe right now, and I believe maybe this is one reason there's such a, 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 a war set against the prophetic, that God wants to download to his church. So when you receive a download, that means you're receiving a divine revelation. And when it comes to contending and governing, you've got to have a, you have to have a download of a heavenly revelation, a divine revelation for battle. So you're not just randomly throwing things into the atmosphere. But when you have a download, you have a revelation, you have something to shoot at. You have something you're aiming your prayer at. You have a word from God, you're loosing it like an arrow into the camp of the enemy. See, I tell people now all the time, I say, yeah, revival came and it turned us into intercessors. See, everybody wants to get down the lazy river. But really what God wants to do is send revival to turn some people into warriors that know how to contend in governing from the realm and the revelation of heaven. Yes. This, this must happen, and I believe revival is going to do this because it has done it for us, that when the, when the, when the purity of God's presence and power and glory and goodness sets down upon a church. We can't get lazy and just say, I'm going to soak it up. Yo, we've been down this road before. You soak it home. Because when we come here, when we come here, we already saturated. I don't come in dry trying to get in the river I've already been in the river so when I come here just put a word in my mouth just put a word in my mouth just put a word in my mouth yes see the order to, to, to contend and govern we must break the mold of the bless me movement. Y'all know I, I believe in blessing. I believe in blessing, 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 blessing. I am blessed. Man, I am blessed beyond. I tell God all the time, God, you don't owe me nothing. You don't got to give me nothing. You've blessed my life so much. I don't deserve nothing. And, all, and, I, and if you, if you want to bless me, I'll take it. But don't feel like you got to do it. I, I'll give and I don't have to have a blessing tied to the end of it. You've already been good to me. I, I, but I want you to know some people in the church today are simply addicted to blessing. And the only thing they can ask God for is a blessing. I want you to know I want the blessing, but I also want the power of a breakthrough in my mouth. What does that mean? That means I just don't have to have the good things of God. I want to be a breakthrough believer and I want to get right up against the strongholds of the enemy and push until they break. Somebody see us. Y'all remember, remember last week it seemed like it was so long ago. And I was talking about the first fruits, and I talked about the fact that faith is a force multiplier. I believe contending is a force multiplier. Remember the definition? It was, it's a military term, and it means this. The capability that when added to and employed by a combat force significantly increases the combat potential of that force and thus enhances the probability of successful mission accomplishment. A capability. In other words, there's something they possess that when they add it to the warfare strategy, it becomes a multiplying force. So what they had been doing wasn't enough to overtake the enemy, 
But when they add the multiplying force, it takes what they have plus what they add, and it gives it the strength to overcome the enemy. Can I just say this? It's my church, so I can. You hear people say this. It's just, I'm just using this because this is where we're at. I really, there's some people that say they believe, and they can believe what they want. They just say, I believe that Joe Biden being elected as president is the sovereign will of God. And they say this because you said, I, they said there's more prayer and more fasting that has gone up for the election to go the other way than ever before. I submit to you. Maybe there has been a lot of prayer. Maybe there's been a lot of fasting. But maybe there's been very little contending. See, it's one thing to pray and fast and beg God. But it's another thing to pray, fast, step up in your authority and begin to legislate. I'm just saying it's something to think about. But we must open our mouth and we must speak. We must understand this, that we must break any agreement that we have made with hell. And we must come into total agreement with heaven. It's time for the church to grow up and go up to the place of a throne room and say, I have come today to legislate in the spirit to make sure what God wants in the heavens is going to be done in the earth. I have come up here to take my position and I am speaking to the third, the first heaven, second heaven, third heaven, and I am declaring the will of God on earth as it is in heaven. Yes. Can somebody agree with me tonight that revival and awakening is about ready to be released in this land? So what does that mean? Historically, revival has been marked by this, this amazing intimacy with Jesus. Sometimes we misunderstood, and I deal with these things because you need to know you're okay. Everybody doesn't have to understand who we are and what we do and why we do it. Revival has always been marked by the presence of God. It's the greatest mark. It's the greatest manifestation of revival. There are many, but that is the absolute most glorious one. He manifests and you know it. He's all around you. And this intimacy with Jesus will cause a people to reject powerless religion. They won't settle for it. But as, along with this, this manifested presence, there's a manifestation of the Holy Spirit through miracles. Healings, deliverances, conversions, baptisms. We say here revival is a sustained presence and power of God resulting in transformation. But awakening is somewhat different. Not, not, not a lot, but somewhat different. That, so when you talk about awakening, you're talking about breaking the power of territorial spirits. So people who are living under the weight of the darkness can become conscious of their need of God. So you're no longer just randomly finding somebody that hasn't thought about God for years, but they will begin to be divine connections and God is going to begin to bring an awareness to the consciousness of our nation that is so far under the weight of sin and darkness 
and, and, and all the, 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 the heaviness that's trying to come down on our nation, that all of a sudden they're going to begin to think about God, to think about eternity, to think about is there hope, to think about is there something beyond what I'm experiencing currently in my life. And the Spirit of God is going to fall on them. And they're going to begin to look for somebody. Can somebody help me understand? I, I just said a prayer, and I don't even know what a prayer is. I just cried out for God, and I don't even know who God is. I just asked to be saved, and I don't know really what it means to be saved. Can somebody, I don't know if anybody's getting this, but you better get ready for divine connections because the revival spirit on you. God is going to begin to connect you sovereignly with the people who are being awakened. Yes. So I have come to say fresh start. Get ready because we are on the verge of awakening. The territorial spirits are being weakened and the sound of heaven is getting louder across the land and he's calling them out of darkness into his marvelous light. Somebody shout yes. Let me, let me just do one more thing tonight. In cha uh, Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. We find another contender by the name of Philip. He will later be recognized as Philip the evangelist. And what we find in Acts 8, we find the church has been battered and now has been scattered. But ultimately, they would shatter the darkness. Jerusalem was ablaze with the fire of the Holy Spirit. The apostolic order had already been set. It was time to move out to Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the You see, this is the prophetic purpose that Jesus prophesied in Acts 1.8. That the Holy Spirit shall come upon you. And you shall receive power to be witnesses. Under Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I find it interesting that through the persecution they were shattered. They were scattered. This word scattered literally means to sow throughout. It's a farming term. So when the, the scattering came, it wasn't random. It wasn't like they were so full of fear. They were just running for their life to find a place safe for their religion. God sent the persecution so that the church could be strategically placed. They went all over. Philip went down to Samaria. Not by accident. Not by a random, I think I'll just go to Samaria. He was planted there by God. He was sown there by God. This, this, this is interesting to me. Because you see, in Satan's attempt to stamp out the church's fire, it merely scattered the embers that started fire around the world. You got to get this. See, they were really seeds planted everywhere. Everywhere they went, there were a seed planted on purpose, for purpose, in purpose. They weren't running for their lives. See, the enemy of revival was attempting to bring them into submission through religious opposition, was trying to bring them into submission 
We need to pull the reins back a little bit. You're getting a little too fiery over there. You're going a little too deep. You're getting a little wide. But God said, I'm going to send you out. And even though the opposition will be there, you just go where I tell you to go. And they went and they were planted. You see, you've got to understand, the spirit of religion is always frightened of those that are full of the Holy Spirit. And the reason is, is because they are sitting in seats of authority that don't belong to them. You can plant just about any kind of church you want to anywhere, but you get a Holy Spirit baptized, revival fire church, show up in an atmosphere, and there's going to be war because they know I don't really belong here, and they're about the only ones that's going to tell me to leave. Somebody say yes. I'm trying to create a picture for you as contenders tonight. You know, in chapter 5 of Acts, it said that they were locked up, some of them. They were locked up in a prison called Common. See, much of the church world today wants to be common. You put Common in a prison, and it's comfortable, it's compliant. It's compromising. It's common. You put a contending in a prison called common, and they get uncomfortable real quick. They get confrontational real quick. They get flat out cantankerous. When you put a contender in a prison called common. See, that's why some of y'all You tried to go somewhere else, but you couldn't because it was common. You got up in there and you said, man, what what is going on up in this place? And you got so cantankerous that you finally said, I guess I better go back to where the contenders go. I better go back to where those that refuse to live bound behind the walls and the bars of religion and that have made up their mind that they are going to live a life bigger than that. Philip went down to Samaria. Philip was there with Stephen on the day that he was stoned. They were friends. They were ministry partners. The death of Stephen was supposed to be the fatal blow. But instead it provoked an awakening. His death did not go unnoticed. It provoked Philip. It provoked others to carry the revival DNA. That Stephen had. The Bible says that Stephen was full of faith. The Holy Spirit increased. Through his hands, signs, wonders, and miracles. Power. Philip goes down to Samaria. Thousands of years of darkness set on that city. Hell probably screamed in his ears and said, who do you think you are? And what do you think you're going to do? And I could see Philip looking into the realms of darkness and said, I'm getting ready to go release a city and shatter the darkness. They mocked him all the way. But when Philip got there, Philip did only what an evangelist knows to do. He proclaimed the gospel of Jesus Christ. He proclaimed that Jesus is a crucified, resurrected, saving Jesus. 
Now you got to understand the prevailing atmosphere. I'm almost done. The prevailing atmosphere was stale, heavy, weighty, and unchallenged. Nobody had ever spoken to it. Nobody had ever told it to leave. It had had his way for thousands of years. And, and, and it wasn't about to let go. Uh, but when he showed up, he showed up and he made up his mind that he was going to proclaim the gospel anyway and he was going to make sure that the spirit of depression and oppression and possession was getting ready to be challenged. And he began to preach Christ crucified and he declared the good news of the gospel uh, and he decreed it and he said Jesus is Lord Lord. And the Bible says that they heeded what he spoke to them. He said, Jesus, the only message, can you imagine? This is the only message they know. This is all they know. This is all they know. Jesus, we walked with him. We talked with him. Jesus, he came. He was crucified, resurrected, ascended to the Father. It's going to come back one day. He said, yes, that Jesus, that Jesus. And they said, everybody in this city needs a Savior. And God loves you you and he died for you and he rose from the dead and he ascended and he is the king of kings and the lord of lords he proclaimed it was a proclamation he challenged the prevailing atmosphere what did he talk about talked about his encounter Talked about what it meant, what happened to him through the Pentecostal experience. The Bible says they believed him. They believed him. And you see that his proclamation turned into a demonstration. And as he preached Jesus, it said that the crowd in the city, the city, went from hearing to seeing. What did they see? Miracles, signs, wonders, healings, demons coming out, screeching, setting the captive free, powers of darkness being shattered. As they simply preached Jesus, the Savior of the world, there was a demonstration of power. See, bold proclamation will always produce bold demonstrations. Philip's ministry began to shake and to shift from proclamation to power. And his words became power, producing the miraculous. See, I want you to see this tonight. Because you see, as people in the darkness was hearing this message of the gospel, they were brought into a great light. And they began to see the possibilities. Can we really live another way? Can we really live healed? Can we really live delivered? Can we really live free from the oppression and the darkness and the weight and the hopelessness that's over our city? One man, a contender, showed up, said, yes, Jesus is the way. Jesus is the way. I release his power. I release his power. And demonstration came. And a city began to be changed to the whole level that the Bible says that the whole city began to rejoice. Praise team, come. I'm closing right now. It said the whole city began to rejoice. The city was filled with joy. He ain't talking about the church. He's talking about the city. I'm not talking about the church. I'm not talking about revival. I'm talking about awakening coming to a city. I just want to stop and say this since we got some evangelists in the house tonight. And I just want to say this. I believe it is time for the office of the evangelist to arise. For years now, we've been talking about the apostolic and the prophetic. But I say it's time for the true evangelists begin to rise. Not those that are looking for a platform. Not those that are looking for a mic. But those that are looking for a place. Looking for a city to shape the realms of darkness. Signs, one is miracles. Do you realize 
that they busted out. Everybody just stay standing. They busted out. A whole city is celebration. Great joy. Extreme excitement. The atmosphere shifted because of the contender showed up. I don't know if we understand that deliverance has a sound and it's called joy. The delivered will have joy. That's why the delivered when they walk up in this place they just jump right in because they got so much joy they just looking for somewhere to express their joy I just come to tell you fresh start you better be careful because there's a harvest coming and they're coming out of the darkness they're coming out of the deep places they're coming out of the broken places and God is going to heal them and God is going to deliver them and if you're not careful they're going to run right by your praise some of us need to remember again what it was like when we were hopeless when we were depressed we were oppressed we were possessed some of us already think that we deserve this you don't deserve this this is the grace of God this is the favor of heaven see some of us have forgotten how deep we were see some of us think we were just swimming around and got through a little life life preserver out there yanked us out but you have forgotten we were way deeper than that we weren't swimming around we were dead laying on the bottom of an ocean covered up with the dirt of the ocean and he reached down his blood-stained hands and cleaned that thing up and pulled us up and breathed life into our lungs get up and live I've come to challenge us tonight that we as contenders refuse to conform to the prevailing atmosphere than the atmosphere of joy the atmosphere of heaven the lesser must always give away to the greater In a matter of days, in Samaria, joy overcame thousands of years of unchallenged darkness. The inner cities are getting ready to explode with the glory of God. This tenth thing ain't a trend. This tenth thing is a sovereign move of God. Together in a harvest of souls. Together in a harvest of souls. I can't wait because they're coming in. They're going to not look like us, smell like us, and act like us. They're going to be crazy, radical lovers of their redeeming Savior. They're going to get baptized in the Holy Ghost. And they're going to begin to yank demons. Out of the atmosphere. Because they ain't going to stay here. They're going back. And when they go back, they're going back with a vengeance. I feel something stirring up in this house right now. You see, our Bible says in Samuel 4, 5, and 6, it says, when God came into the camp of Israel, Israel shouted. And when they shouted, it shook the earth first thing we're going to do tonight is we're getting ready to shout and we're getting ready to shake this city we're not shaking the foundations of the city 
We're shaking the foundations that hell has set up over our city. We ain't playing. This ain't a trick. This isn't the trending thing on social media. This is what's going to save America. A church in revival who knows they've given, been given revival for the sake of intercession and authority and contending and governing in the heavenlies. We are gatekeepers. The enemy may have his way everywhere else, but we take our stand. We plant our feet and we lift up our voices in the authority of the finished work of our Christ. And we decree every principality and power, you must give up the land. You must give up the land. You must give up the soul of a nation. You hear us? Give it up. Give it up. Give it up. Thank you for listening in to the Fresh Start Church podcast, where we exist to influence a nation with revival. You can order Pastor Kim's book, Doorkeepers of Revival, at doorkeepersofrevival.com. And you can listen to Fresh Start Revival Worship on Apple Music, Spotify, or wherever you stream your music. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next time.